You are listening to the You Are Techie podcast with Ellen Toomey, episode number four. Welcome to the You Are Techie podcast, where it's all about growing in your techiness so you can find the tech job of your dreams. And now your host, technology learning coach, Ellen Toomey. I want to know what it means to be a woman leader in technology. I struggle with that question a little bit. I, I get asked that a lot. And I, I think mm-hmm. I think the reason I struggle with it is I, I don't think of myself first as a woman leader, if that makes sense. Um, I mean, I think of myself as a woman, as a mother, as a you know, wife, et cetera. But, you know, in my job, I am a leader, right? right? And I think that sometimes we over pivot to, oh, she's a woman leader. It's like, I'm a leader. It has nothing to do with my gender or, you know, what I'm doing. And, and um, I think the more we think about diversity and inclusion and leadership in a, in, in a way that um, focuses on the traits that we need in leadership, Right. There will naturally be more diversity, if that makes yeah. sense, right? So yeah. we talked about, because I, I, I think about leadership all the time. So yep. regardless of the fact I'm a woman, I, over the last few years, probably 10 years, I have read voraciously and are constantly testing my own theories of leadership. Um, and I think that there is power. And if you look at the most um, impactful leaders, and, and I'm not aligning that with revenue necessarily, but just leaders that inspire people and, and make people better, you know, and make the world better. Yeah. There is, you know, there's, there, there's something about a combination of their, their experience with some kind, with a level of humility or self-awareness, right? Mm-hmm. There's, you know, you've seen boastful leadership and, and there's an, ugliness about it, even if they are incredibly successful financially. Um, and so the question I'm constantly thinking about is, I am a true believer in capitalism. Like I believe in the free market system, but I also believe in compassion. So it's like, why does capitalism and compassion have to be, you know, mutually exclusive or counterintuitive, right? right? Why can't right. those go together, right? And there's a great book called Designing Reality, I think. I'm pretty sure it's Designing Reality. And it's it's uh, three uh, gentlemen who are academics and scientists. Um, I think it's a father and two sons, or a father, uncle, and son. Mm-hmm. But they have this phrase called a bottom, a double bottom line company. And I love this term because I, I think it captures what I'm trying to say: is that to be a double bottom line company is you are focused on financial return, right, yeah. and and driving financial excellence with compassion. Mm-hmm. And so you can take care of people while still being successful. And I, and I wish that we did that more. And I actually spoke recently at a, a conference in Europe and I said, how do we all think about becoming bottom, double bottom line companies? What would that look like? Mm-hmm. You know, going back to our earlier question about human connection, right. that means you are putting human connection and financial success, you know, at an equal place on, on, on the scale. Right. right? So I think we need to look at leadership across many areas, strategy and vision, operational excellence, you know, setting goals of success, holding people accountable, driving to those numbers, but also the, the empathy, the compassion, right? So there's, there's these multiple factors. And, and the reality is to be a great leader means you've got to have all of those things, not just mm-hmm. one. 
and then you've got to know which lever to turn up or down, you know, depending on the situation, but you don't get to just be an operator or mm -hmm. just be, you know, strategic. You've mm -hmm. got to bring together all these different pieces, and that's why leadership is and should be very hard, mm -hmm. um, and it should be earned, right? Because you've mm -hmm. got to – those are muscles. You've got to develop all those muscles over time. Right. Um, but then I will say, as a woman who happens to be a leader and a leader in technology, mm -hmm. I feel it's my responsibility to empower every other woman <laughs> or right. empower anyone, you know, mm -hmm. supporting people to fulfill their dreams, you know, figure out their career path, um, you know, driving greater experience and, and expertise, you know, living those core values of leadership and humanity. You know, I feel mm -hmm. that I have a, a maybe an additional layer of responsibility as a woman. Yeah. And I really want to be both a role model for other women looking to either go into tech or to be successful in tech or in business, um, you know, and, and, and modeling behaviors and I guess, um, you know, expectations that, that help other people see that it's possible, right? right. One person said to me that <laughs> at the time I thought it was a funny thing, you know, like they had just read Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg and they said, and then they had, I, I had spoken at a conference where they were and they said, you made it seem so much more accessible because you're real. Like you're not so far removed from where I am that it mm -hmm. feels unattainable. Right. And you could take that two ways. I, at first I thought, okay, so I, I'm a leader, but I'm not really great. Like I haven't run a huge company. So, you know, I'm like a half-assed leader. So I can, you know, I can see myself doing that. It's not what she meant, you know, but again, that's our inner voice, right? It's like, wait, did I just get dissed in this compliment? I'm trying to, but um, I get what she means. And I think it's powerful because it means that all of us <laughs> make an impact on someone else, right? Yeah. Everyone is has the potential to be a role model. Everyone can inspire someone else. You don't have to be a Sheryl Sandberg. And in fact, people like Melinda Gates or Sheryl Sandberg are really important role models, but for most people, it just seems so unattainable. Yeah, I agree. Right? Uh, whereas you and I and everyone that's listening to your podcast, yeah. they can set goals that someone else can look at and say, wow, I just want to do that. Yeah. Like, and, and you make it feel... Like, I can do that. You made yeah. it feel real. You made it feel possible. Mm -hmm. And so that, to me, is what it means to be a woman leader in technology, right? That I, if I can make it seem possible for anyone and, and accessible and reachable, then yeah. that's powerful. It doesn't mean I haven't been successful. I need to think about that as being, that means I've been amazingly successful. Because if that means that two or 20 or 200 more women you know, will think they can do what I did and achieve it and do it. That's the, to me, that's the ultimate value or, you know, being a woman leader. I love that. I, I totally agree. In, in our Facebook group, I challenge people to find a mentor and be a mentor today, yep. right now, before you feel ready. I'm always pushing people to do that because absolutely, you don't, you don't even know. You, you can just, you, you can know such a small amount and still be ahead of someone else. There's always someone else. Um, so I, love I always that. tell people, mentors don't have to be more experienced or older. And the example I always give is there was this young woman, I think she was 25 at the time, that I was uh, working with a company doing social media analytics. And I always considered myself pretty smart. I knew big data really well, and I thought I knew social media really well. And this girl, 
this woman was amazing. And we were arguing about Instagram and I was just saying, you know, well, and this was like 10 years ago. I was like, nobody uses Instagram. I'm so sure. Like, and she goes, really? She goes, well, I'm going to do a webinar on Instagram. I'm like, I don't think that's our target audience. I it was a B2B solution, right? Yeah. And so she goes, okay, so if I get 500 people on this webinar, will you listen to me and help me set this strategy and put this plan in place around doing more with Instagram? And I said, sure. Yeah, go for it. 500 people. Okay. She got 600 people on this <laughs> webinar. I listened to the webinar and she was, a I was blown away. I mean, people were just like, oh, guru, tell us the world, right? <laughs> so literally, <laughs> And we were in two different studios, but we could look at each other, right, while we were doing this. And so the webinar finishes, and I'm just sitting there, and she looks over, and I just was like, slow clap. It was just like, oh, my God, I will never question you again. I'm like, put that strategy plan in place. You are, How much money do you need? Like, you know, and she was awesome because she, she didn't patronize me, you know, but it, she didn't have to, right? It was like, I tried to tell you. So it's a learning of. You know, not only did she then taught me a ton and mentored me through, you know, learning all this about social media, but beyond that, it was that learning of don't ever assume that someone younger or less experienced or from a different culture or a different perspective can't, yeah. one, teach you something, or yeah. two, doesn't have amazing value, and you're just, you're, you're assuming they don't just because of some, I don't know, bias that you have, right, unconscious or conscious. Right. And so right. she taught me so much. You know, and I could, I, there's probably a million examples of that, but that one really stands out because she was just so ready to take on the challenge. And mm -hmm. it was awesome. Just put me that, right in my place. It was great. Fantastic. I love that story. I, I have a few more questions, but we're a little over on time. Can you snag, can we snag a few more minutes? I want to be respectful sure. of your time. Okay. Nope, I'm good. All right. I'll, I'm, I, and also, I just want to say, I really appreciate your response to that question, women, uh, a woman leader in technology. And, I I struggle even asking it. I know people want to hear that, but um, mm. I'm going to be thinking a lot about whether that's a question to even ask because I think, and I've heard this from other women who have been in leadership before and, and or for a while, and they're just tired of that question. It's like, okay, yeah. I'm a woman. I've been a woman for years, for decades. I'm over it. But it's it. still important. Yeah, and maybe the question is, you know, what does it mean? To you to be a leader so maybe that's right. the first question and then there's do you feel an additional responsibility or is there something more that you think you have to do because you're also right. a woman in leadership and i because those are two different questions right because fundamentally when we do our job day in day out you know we're trying to be a good leader or a good role model or a good employee or a good client or whatever it is right there is absolutely this added layer of, <sighs> I was gonna say just responsibility, but frankly, it's an added layer of challenge. It's an added layer of um, pain. <laughs> it's an added layer of a lot of things, I think, because we also happen to be a woman, right? And I can't even imagine what the layer on top of that would be if you were also transgender or, you know, one of these other kind of diverse populations that have to add one more thing just to get through the noise, right? And so we can't underestimate the challenges women face. In fact, I was just writing another blog post about trying to share some women's stories because I think that we, we can't stop telling those stories because the reality is women are still leaving 
technology and are still leaving companies because of the challenges that women face, right? There is still gender inequality. There is still the boys club. So I don't want to make it sound like we fixed that, right? And that's not my intent. And, and every single day I face this head on, right? It, it's, it never goes away. But the more we can continue to show that you know, we as humans are great leaders, regardless of our gender or race or, you know, background or whatever, you know, the more we will stop having to have this conversation. But it, it's such a, I don't know, such a dichotomy and, and just a constant challenge, frankly, how much to stress it. Well, a lot of, um, a lot of what my audience, they, they, the interview process is this overwhelming, insurmountable. They're like, I haven't been on an interview in five years or, you know, just getting out of that or a technical interview. Yeah. So right. one of the things I like to do is to ask guests about like, what do you ask in an interview so that there can be this mm. comfort of like, hey, I've thought about this or this is what real leaders in technology are asking. Do you have a question or two that you can share with us? I do, I have a few actually. And I think about this a lot because at the end of the day, what I have learned is people can learn to do, smart people can learn to do almost anything, right? And what I would say in general to those women is, <laughs> there's been research to back this up and I'm sure you've seen this where we as women have this, this issue that we won't apply for a job unless we think we're 100% qualified, oh, right? Yeah. And men apply when they're 50 or 60%. So what I would say to you is like, right, one, why are you applying for a job that you have 100% qualifications? That would be the most boring job in the entire world, right? So. <laughs> Yes. First, I challenge every one of you, if you have 50% of the qualifications, apply for the job. I'm going to assume you're a smart per person and you can learn the other 50. And that will be the fun part, right? There's foundational things that are cultural, style, you know, um, desire to learn that I care a lot more about, right? Um, because if you hire a bad cultural fit, that is a lot more painful than hiring someone that doesn't know Yep. you know, how to write code in Python, or I don't know, like, you know, it, it, there's just a bigger issue if they don't fit in and the damage that a toxic person brings, and I, I speak from experience, <laughs> it will take months for you to clean that up. Whereas to train someone in a new skill set may or may not take months. It may take weeks, it may take days. And if it takes months, at least you've got a person that you love being around and that is a great team player and they're, they're adding value in the meantime while they're trained. Mm -hmm. So I, I just want to state that up front. Um, but some of my favorite uh, questions that have nothing to do with the job is um, I ask about, you know, what's the last book you downloaded? Um, and that tells me two things. One is it'll get them talking about books they read, but I also specifically use the word downloaded because I actually want to know if they use a Kindle or an iPad or are they going to say, oh, well, I like to read my books in a hard copy. Like you get a whole bunch of information in a really simple question. Hmm. Um, and so like a lot of companies will have questions that are almost like, it feels like a double bind. It's like, oh, I didn't download a book. How do I answer that question, right? <laughs> Don't overthink it. Just say, actually, that's an interesting question on two fronts. One is, you know, I, I prefer reading my books in paper and I'm happy to discuss that if you're interested. And currently I have three books on my night, you know, on my, uh, on my nightstand uh, because I like to read a fiction book, um, a nonfiction and a business strategy book. You know, for me, what I say is, oh, well, I just downloaded four books because I happened to be on an airplane and I was having a conversation and in the course of the conversation, you know, this guy next to me brought up all these books. So I immediately went on my phone and downloaded them or whatever it is. But I love asking that question because you just, 
it could end up taking you in a whole different place and have a really interesting conversation and the person gets off their interview podium right you 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 distract them from <laughs> so yeah. same thing I'll sometimes say you know what's one of your favorite songs of all time and why or what was the last song you downloaded so same thing like you can kind of do that um, I've, I've started asking the question of what is your personal why and sometimes they don't understand that like I'm really into like what is your why and this came out of this book by Simon Sinek um, yeah. but if they don't understand what that means I rephrase it and say something like you know what is your reason for being like why are you on this planet and then I followed it up with saying, well, how does this job help you further that why? Like, how is this helping you be why you were here? Um, and that's very philosophical, but again, I want to get them out of telling me that they, you know, graduated top of their class. And, you know, I, I wanna know something deeper about this person. Um, and then a fun one in the technology industry, I always ask Star Wars or Star Trek and why, because it makes them <laughs> laugh and, you know, and it says a lot because I have to say why. Um, and if, if you work in technology, there is a constant uh, debate about Star Wars or Star Trek. And then the Star Wars, they usually say, well, which one are we talking about? Well, for both, they could say that, like, you know, which which generation. Right, right, right. Um, and so then you get into a whole geek conversation about that. So, those, I mean, those are some that I, I like to add to the general interview. If that helps, I don't know if that helps your listeners or not. I think it's great, and it gives a lot of insight as to, you know, the range that you can expect. Um, oh, yeah. Next, this next question I want to ask you, it's kind of a boring question, but the answers are always really great, which is why I keep asking it. It's, what do you love best about what you do? And then what do you find most challenging? Oh, what I love, well, I learn something new every day, right? Yeah. Um, what I love about this job is I, I am a curious person by nature and I, I love the fact that I, I can't think of a day where I'm not learning something and I need that. Like I, I thrive on that. And, you know, I'm at, as an organization, we are constantly at the forefront of technology and change, you know, where things are going. So that that's part of it. Um, I love working with customers. Uh, one thing I love about my job right now is I meet with a lot of customers and we brainstorm big big issues and hairball problems that they're trying to solve. And I am just, I feel pretty just grateful that I'm even allowed in the room sometimes, right, with CIOs or these architects and, you know, where we're talking these really complex problems um, with governments and huge organizations and industries. Um, and part of that is I get to work with people literally all over the world, you know, from all different backgrounds and you know both within Red Hat as well as customers or um, you know all of that and and I think if I was to make it personal I do feel that what I do with Red Hat and what I do you know personally and professionally that I'm making a positive difference in people's lives and careers like I feel not every day <laughs> but when I step back I you know yeah I feel like okay you know I'm moving forward on my own personal why and I'm I'm helping other people be successful, which is, you know, I, I think like we should all make it so that if we got hit by a bus tomorrow, we've created an organization around us that is successful and people step up and step in, right? And so I feel like I've done that. Um, and I feel like I can have a direct impact on my company's success. I need, And I'm wired that way. Like I wanna know I'm making a difference. If I don't, I start to, you know, just feel demotivated. Right. So, uh, Challenging is probably, you know, fairly stereotypical. I hate 
politics. I hate power plays. They drain me. Um, it's really hard balancing strategy with execution, mm -hmm. you know, and getting those both right. Uh, I, I, I think also probably, I probably put the biggest challenge on myself. I have a really high bar I set for myself and my team. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, performing at that level all the time is, is hard to do. And I, you know, no one does, but giving myself a break and um, I'm much more compassionate with other people than myself <laughs> at that. Um, and I think probably the other biggest personal challenge, and, and this is feedback I've gotten my whole life, and I'd like to think I've gotten better, but I know I still forget this uh, sometimes, which is just to slow down and make sure everybody's caught up with me. I tend to be <laughs> a very fast I, I, know I know that one well. <laughs> Kindred spirit. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> and sometimes I forget what my, my Myers-Briggs says about me, but they, there's some great phrase and any of these personality, you know, things that always says the same thing about me, which is, I am super fast to learn something, love new ideas, innovative, you know, always like finding that challenge and going. And there may be just crap behind me that I left behind, not to mention an entire team sitting there going, wait, where is she now? What, what's going on? Where are we going? <laughs> so slowing down and saying, hey, here's an idea. What does everyone think? And letting the process people process it and, yeah. you know, all, all of that. So, I, you know. I'm not sure that's my job. I think that's just, you know, but I find it challenging because I'm just, I just want to go, go, go. I have a bias for action and, you know, new ideas and, you know, not everyone moves that way. And so, you know, part of that is everyone needs to feel like they're on the train with me and I'm not just, you know, the engine's not separated from the rest of the cars and just going off a cliff, right? Well, that's some of what, the things I need to work on. Whatever tips you have in that realm, um, I absolutely <laughs> take those tips. Just constant self-awareness, like slow down, let everyone get cut up, and then go to a quiet place and scream and get it out, and then, you know, go back. and Then go vision. back. All right, I want you to tell us about Snort Out Loud. Where does the okay. name come from? What is the mission, and what are you trying to do? This actually started five years ago with a presentation I gave to about 500 women in tech leaders. And it started as a hypothesis that my theory was we weren't seeing enough women in tech and, or women leaders in tech because we weren't being true to ourselves, that we were getting so much input and continually feeling ourselves shrink that we just, one, didn't see that we could even make it in tech, or two, we're having to be something else to be successful and we were just losing what I call our true light or our inner self, right? So I started calling this letting your true light shine. And then I added snorting out loud because when I laugh, I snort. And uh, <laughs> it freaks people out every time, um, especially if it's like a really big snort, when, which means someone really made me laugh or it's surprising. But I can't tell you how many times when I snort, people go, whoa, what was that? Holy cow. Like it just literally freaks people out. Um, and over the course of my career, you know, there were two things I always heard, stop swearing, stop being so loud, you're too passionate, you're too, like, okay, so just stop being yourself, just please stop being yourself, and then it was always like, why do you snort, like, stop it, that, it's weird, like, it's, or it's horrible, or I don't like it, or, like, it was all these things, or it's like, it's not even, it's so not feminine, and you sound like a freak, and it was just amazing people's reactions to this, it's like, why do you care, like, I snort when I laugh, who cares, like, I don't understand, and so the snorting out loud part, just became my metaphor, I guess you could yeah. say, for being true to yourself. Yeah. And so it turned that first presentation 
where I tested this theory. And the first question I asked this group of women is, how many of you have asked, who am I? Every hand went up in the room. And I was like, oh, okay, wasn't expecting that. <laughs> and then the next question was, okay, how many of you ask, why am I here? Every room went, every arm went up in the room. And I was like, okay. So this is kind of just built. And now I've given this presentation, I don't know, dozens of times. And it's evolved each time. And the platform has evolved. And it's gone from a hypothesis to just this passion project of mine. And what I've learned is it's not just a woman issue. It's not just a women in tech issue. It is a universal human phenomenon that we are born perfect we are born with being who we are you know we let our true light shine like think the thing i always say is think of a, a child around three years old they don't know how to be anything but true to them right they let their light shine every day and it can be annoying or it can be beautiful it doesn't matter like they are just all in right <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying like yes, picture your children when they were yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I give the example of there was this little girl, we were on vacation at the beach and there was this little girl, she was probably four, and she literally created this entire game by herself where she scooped up sand, threw it in the air, and then would sing this song that, you know, I love you to the moon and the stars and the light and back home. And then she'd do this sand thing again and her dad comes over at some point and says, stop throwing sand. Like, why are you doing that? Stop throwing sand. So this is a pivotal moment, right? Because this is almost an example of the input. So I say, you know, over the course of our life, and it gets really intense around nine or 10, where everyone seems to have an opinion of what we should be and not be. And many times it has best intentions, right? Yep. It has absolute yep. best intentions. Yep. But what happens is it starts to limit our vision of who we are and what we are capable of. And it's like if the world and our boundaries is, is you know, huge and, and almost unlimited, by the time we're 12, it starts to do this, right? And we just get narrower and narrower and narrower. And it's little things like it could be, oh, you don't need to take the hard math class. Why don't you take home economics, which was what someone <laughs> told me at 12 years old. Oh, you don't have to do this. Or no, our daughter's not going to go in the gifted program because we think she needs to be with her friends. Or it doesn't matter. Or, oh, our family is bad at math. Or, oh, girls don't like science. It doesn't matter what it is, right? Um, right. And it can be something that you don't even realize. And I'll tell you that it's interesting talking about this with parents, especially fathers of daughters, especially fathers in tech that have yeah. daughters, because as soon as I start sharing this in the stories, you can see every face in the room goes, oh shit, I do this. Yeah, right, thing. right. And you don't mean to, you right. don't mean to. You think you're do being loving. You think like yeah. when you say to your daughter, oh, don't cut your hair, you're so much more beautiful with long hair. What are you telling your daughter that you don't even know? Yeah. Right? What's behind um, yeah. And so that's, not, so. What it has evolved into is, you know, Snort Out Loud is now snortoutloud.com, and I've started blogging. So you can go to snortoutloud.com and you can, you know, read my latest rantings. Um, but I think some of, and I'm writing a book called Snorting Out Loud and Letting Your True Light Shine, or at least that's my working title. Mm -hmm. um, and and the the website is really me trying to find my voice for this mm -hmm. book, right? Where it's been an interesting journey, and, and I had this, this wonderful author who I worked with that said, the key to bringing people into your story 
is not telling them, but showing them, like invite them in. So as I look at the posts, and I've, I've written a lot already in the last few months, is my early posts are very much like in education mode, in journal, in, in journal, uh, journalism mode, right? Like I'm being a journalist, like here's, here's my report on this situation, yeah. you know, and, <laughs> and it reads like that. Whereas the last few, and what I'm trying to do now is create scenes and tell human stories that support my thesis or my, my learning or what I'm trying to share and then go into, you know, this is how it's impacted me. And this is, you know, here's some things I think we could do to change the situation. So it's, it's a subtle but really powerful difference, and it, it's it's really helped me think about things in a new way and, and sharing my own story, sharing other people's stories. And at the end of the day, you know, it's trying to fulfill my personal why, which is I think I am here to help other people, you know, rediscover and shine their true light uh, and, and just fully be themselves and whatever that is. And, and I think that if we are true to ourselves and learn what our inner light is and then really shine it on the world, that's when we are ultimately successful. Even if that's just being a great mother, right? How do we teach our children to just, you know, be true to themselves and follow their heart and, and shine their light and just keep passing it on? That's beautiful. Thank you so much. I think you're doing a great job with it. I read your latest blog post and I got a lump in the throat and it's not even a personal experience of mine. So I think you're doing a great job. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. I've been blogging for a few years and I think I'm going to take some tips from you and um, I'm very much <laughs> trying to do that, but I, I, you, you are a great example of it. So I think that's great. So people can find you at snoreoutloud.com. Where else can they find you? Uh, Seattle Dawson on Twitter is a great place or snort out loud on Twitter. So we're building out social um, accounts on all, you know, Instagram, <laughs> going back to Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook. So snort out loud, you know, is becoming the platform. And over time, you know, I will do more of that and less of my day job. So that's, that's my ultimate goal is to, to do that full time, write my book and speak. Um, but, you know, the website also, you know, connects you to all those social profiles and, and more about me and, whatever, I would be grateful to have more people join the conversation. Margaret Dawson, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. It's been fun. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to sign up for the UR Techie email list. Imagine being in the tech job of your dreams. Join me to get the strategies training and never-ending support to get hired. Sign up at youartechie.com. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y.com. I'll see you next time.